Amen. Thank Bless you very much, too. Hallelujah. Can everybody hear me? Am I on? Gosh, it's bright up here, eh? Wow. You know, sometimes I feel so small when we, um, when we come together like today and we have to pray about a war that broke out and two or three wars and you sort of sit there and think, gosh, what, you know, we're so small in this world. Do you understand what I mean? You know, what significance are we in? But then Holy Spirit reminds me we've got him living in us, the kingdom of God within us. You've got a whole kingdom within you. Um, you've got a universe within you, and it's unseen, and it's not for the physical eye, but you've got the kingdom of God within you. So, yes, we can have an effect. We can make a difference. And whether it's a two-minute prayer on a Sunday morning or as I did this week, just lying in my bed and praying for Israel and whatever's happening there and all over the world, really, we can make a difference. Amen? Amen. So, yeah, I just want to encourage you with that. All right, so um, not everybody knows me. I thought to start with um, who I am, and uh, let me just start and say, though, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I usually get invited once, second time takes a while, <laughs> so um, we'll see how that goes, but I really appreciate it to, to share with you guys today, and um, I said to the, at the men's breakfast, come early, and expectations low, all right, so... Um, Everybody understands my English. That's probably another problem. <laughs> so um, if you don't understand what I'm saying, ask your neighbor. Let them interpret for you. Uh, so I'm Diewald. A lot of people call me D, just because they can't pronounce my name. I, uh, as you can hear by now, I was born in the Bahamas, a place called Kimberley. No, born in South Africa. <laughs> born in South Africa, Kimberley, grew up there, um, Afrikaans speaking until 18, refused to speak a word of English um, because of my dad, you know. <laughs> Grew up in the Kerk, Dutch reform, and I literally thought it means Engier. In Afrikaans, it means give some more and give some more, you know, here. So I thought that's because all, all I knew of the church was once a month, we had these guys in black suits and white ties come around the house taking money. So that was all I knew about the, you know, the Dutch reform church. Anyway, I became... Born again at a later stage of my life. I have a past. Um, not very proud of it, but I have a past, and God knew best how to bring me through that. And um, he called me into missions. I went into the Far East, planting churches. We worked in Taiwan, China, Malaysia, China, uh, Taiwan. Yeah, Philippines. Yeah, Hong Kong. Um, and then... At one stage, I had enough of ministry, of being a missionary, so I went back home to Cape Town, and I did business for a couple of years, and God said, nope, this is not where you're supposed to be, and brought me back to England, and I planted churches in London, and um, then I met my now wife, and Dilla, I have very sad news to tell you, I've got the best wife, all right? Just, just, that, that's it. That's <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> arm wrestle. <laughs> um, I met my beautiful wife, and then, yeah, we went to New Zealand, lived there for seven years, and came back last year, this month. Uh, came to this church. We, we did some church hopping, looking for a community to fellowship where we can belong. And, uh, and we found a bunch of crazy South Africans and beautiful English and loving God people. And the thing that most attracted us was the freedom in the church, but also that, you know, you guys are compared to me, relatively young. 
And that's amazing. It, it is actually, I don't think you understand it, but from where I stand, it's amazing that at this young age, you're so on fire for God and you're willing to do it. So, yeah, that's a bit of a story of me. I've got two sons. Uh, the youngest one is in the back. He's this much shorter than me, and I'm much better looking than him. So if you see anybody like that, you know that's Michal. And then my eldest son, he's still in New Zealand um, preparing to get married. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that soon. So that's about it. That's as much as I can tell you. And then let's get into the Word. Now, I've got a three-hour sermon that I have to try and do in... Uh, how much time have I got? Two hours. Thanks. That's it. That's, I love, you see, this is why I love the church. Right? <laughs> Just so you know, in China, you don't have time. And you will you, you literally line up like this, and you preach until your voice gives up or until you have nothing more to say, and you go off. And then the next guy comes on. So I'm used to hours of, of preaching, so prepare yourself. So we're doing a series on Romans. And it is um, the redemption story. Romans is a beautiful redemption story. And praise God I didn't get Romans 1 and 2 and 3. Because who, who was here for that? Who were here for that? Everybody? Just one or two of you. Where were you all? Um, so you will know that you're a sinner. You need to be saved. Amen. We all fall short of the glory of God. And um, in, you know, in Romans 3 he comes and he says, But... But there's hope. There's justification by faith, which is Romans 4, what I'm going to talk about today. So I've summarized Romans into just a few verses rather than reading the whole chapter. So I'm going to read a few verses here. Read with me in Romans chapter 4. And um, I'm going to skip verses, so I'm just going to go start from verse 3. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Please note, that is in Genesis, justification by faith is not a New Testament principle, it's a Bible principle. Okay? Romans 4 verse 7, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. It's in Psalms, right? Somewhere there, 32 or something. So, again, it's a Bible principle, not a New Testament, not a New Covenant principle. 4.11, and he, Abraham, received circumcision as a sign a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. Verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 18. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then verse 21 to 25. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, right, Dylan, me then, the rest of you, to whom God will credit righteousness. Hallelujah. So Dylan, I'm getting righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, just a quick 
just I'm I'm assuming a few things. The first thing I'm assuming is that you understand salvation of the soul is only through faith in Jesus. Amen. I assume you all understand we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need salvation. I assume that. And then one final thing that I assume, which I will explain a little bit about is salvation is not sanctification. A lot of times I've heard teaching and preachers mix up this concept of salvation and sanctification. Salvation is by faith. That's it. Sanctification is faith and prayer, faith and baptism. Sanctification is what? It's the process of becoming holy. It is to be set apart for God and Him alone. So you become sanctified. There's a process in that. It's working out your salvation. But salvation comes by faith. Stop, right? Make sense? Okay. It's very important. I assume those things. Keep those things in mind when we go through the rest of this. Chapters 1 to 3 speaks about the law and, and you know, even in chapter 4. So I thought I'll just do a little bit of a summary of the law so that we get into that. The law in the Old Testament is not a bad, nor is it evil. Okay? Um, and it's not done away with. A lot of people have a misunderstanding that the Old Testament is irrelevant. No, it's not irrelevant. Why? Because Jesus came to do what? To fulfill the law, not to wipe it away, not to say it's no, no, it's a, it's a testament on a testament. It's an addendum. It's an add-on. The New Testament is better than the Old Testament, but it doesn't replace it in the sense of this is thrown away and now we only have the New Testament, right? So we still have the Old Testament. There's still principles like justification through faith. That comes from the Old Testament. So these testaments have to be taken together. These covenants have to be taken together. And then we work out what? Our salvation. Then we work into sanctification. But it's a togetherness of the covenant that God has made with us. The Old Testament is not bad. It's not evil. However, the, the law itself is not a vehicle for redemption. Or righteousness. It shows us unrighteousness. It shows us the deviation. So if you if I can use an example, if you if you have a road, and that is the road of sanctification, the road of salvation. I start up here and I'm going for God and his purposes alone. I'm on the road. But there's all these little turnoffs, you know. To the left there's lust. To the right there's pride of life. You know, sexual immorality. So there's all these little turnoffs on this road. And as we go on this road, the reason I can recognize the deviations, the reason I can know, no, you know, if I drive to Milton Keynes, there's a sign that says, I don't know, Birmingham, right? The reason I know not to take that road is because it says Birmingham, and I don't want to go to Birmingham, I want to go to Milton Keynes. Simple. This is exactly what the law does. It puts a sign on the deviations, So that you would know, no, that's not where I want to go. I don't want to end up in lust. I don't want to end up in sexual immorality. I don't want to end up in the pride of life. Why? Because it's clearly sign marked by the law, the Old Testament law. So I can read it. I can understand it. Now I know 
not to take those roads. And I can focus on what? The purpose of God. I can focus on sanctification. Of what? So that I become holy for God alone. So to be separated, to be set apart for God and His purposes alone. Make sense? Right? Okay, so good. Yeah, this is quick. We will get through this within two hours. We don't need three. So now, if we can be justified by the law, that means that you have to keep the law 100%, 100% of the time. I'll say that again. The only way you can be justified by the law is to keep the law 100%, 100% of the time. We're doomed. <laughs> Who can do that? I mean, I can maybe manage five minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, not the rugby season. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> so it's just not possible. We cannot be saved through the law. So therefore, God made a way. What is the way? Jesus. The way. You know, it was known as the way. In, in modern times, we put Christianity on it. It was known as the way. Why? Because God made a way. He made a way for us to be able to come into justification. To be justified. Hallelujah. Jesus is the way for justification. And therefore, by grace and mercy, we are accepted by God. And the consequences of these deviations, these roads we took, is now not on us. In other words, the death penalty, as we all understand that, is not on us, but on Christ. So God said, you know what, guys? I can see that you cannot keep the law 100%, 100% of the time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in the form of Jesus Christ, my son, going to send him to this earth. He's going to walk this as a man, fully man, fully God. And what he's going to do is he's going to keep the law 100%, 100% of the time so that there's no spot, no wrinkle. There's no accusation that can be made against him. So he fulfills the law. Hallelujah. Right? And then he says, but now I take all the times you broke the law onto me and I die for your sins. Hallelujah. So the consequences on Jesus so how do we receive that? How do we receive the benefit of the way? Faith. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> I almost sat down. <laughs> just Can you turn to somebody and just, do you understand his English? Just make sure everybody understands what I'm saying because I'm not sure you're very quiet. All right. I, I actually prayed, said, Lord, please shut the hecklers up. And now everybody's quiet. I shouldn't have prayed that, should I? <laughs> all right. So we have faith. Here is the thing. The faith is twofold. There's two aspects to this faith unto salvation. Faith for, for justification. You need to have faith in what? Jesus Christ. You need to believe that he's born of God, son of God, fully man, fully God. That he died on the cross. That he was buried and that he rose again. You have to believe that. And then there's another part to this faith. You also have to believe that you need to be saved. Yeah. See, I think as Christians, we sometimes forget this part when we, when we share with people the gospel. We show them the way, but we forget that they don't think they need a way. Yeah. Yeah. 
They don't understand the sign that says Birmingham when they drive to Milton Keynes. So they go down that road thinking, oh, it's all good. I'm going to end somewhere good, someplace, sometime. They don't understand that they have a need for salvation. So you have to believe that I'm lost. You have to believe that. You have to believe that you as a person is a sinner and spiritually dead. Therefore, you need salvation. Therefore, you need saving grace. Therefore, you need faith in Jesus. Right? Twofold, twofold aspects of faith. Because you guys are smart, eh? Hallelujah. Salvation is for today. Today is the day of salvation. You need salvation. You need faith here, day, today, now, where you're at, in your seat. Always and forever. Hallelujah. That was the introduction, so now let's start. You all right? Good. Justification. What does the word justification mean? It means to be declared or pronounced acceptable. It's a simple definition. So, it's exactly what Dylan was saying when the voice of God spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son. God declared, he pronounced, he announced, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That declaration came out. He's acceptable unto me, God creator. If you are declared acceptable unto God, you become righteous. Okay? Therefore, we find in the New Testament, especially with Paul, he introduces these words. He, he uses justification and righteousness as the same word. Because in the New Testament principle, it means you're accepted by God, in right standing with God. Righteousness is in right standing with God. Okay? Righteousness, so one aspect is this. If you're justified, if you have by faith received justification, you become a friend of God. If you refuse or do not receive that justification, what are you? You're an enemy of the kingdom of God. There's only two camps. <laughs> I, know, I know many of us love there to be a little gray area in between where you know, people like me can live, but it's just not true. You're either an enemy of God or you're a friend of God. That's it. Yeah. When he declares when he announces, when he pronounces you as justified, he says, here is my friend. He shouts it into the heavens. He declares into the heavenly realm, into the kingdom of God, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I accept fully. Thank you, Jesus. You become his friend. Righteousness, to be in right standing with God, means you're playing on the same team as God. You know where that's going. I was, I was considering wearing my Springbok shirt this morning, but then, was, then I looked at myself in the mirror, and it's a bit tight, so I said, no, I can't wear that. <laughs> I don't know, the muscles just grew, you know, just, especially around this area. <laughs> it was at breakfast, Drew, that's what it was. Um, Righteousness, I'm in right standing with God. It means I'm on God's team. I'm playing for His team, the kingdom of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm on His side. I'm not 
on Russia's side or what's the other place? Ukraine's side or Israel or Palestine, whatever it is, I'm on God's side in this. What is God's side? Because I'm declared righteous. I am justified by faith. I believe in Jesus. And I know, better than anybody, I need Jesus. Justification by faith. Faith in Jesus and faith that I am in need of salvation. I just want to say this. Salvation means saving of the soul, as we all know. So eternal life. But it also includes saving out of trouble. It's plucking you out of the fire. It's saving your marriage. It's saving your kid. It's saving you from that horrible situation at work. Salvation takes on a, a, a big meaning in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. So your faith is not just for saving your soul unto eternal life. It is also to be saved in this life on earth from certain things that is not pleasant or godly. So salvation comes in those terms. Romans 4, 7, and 8 says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. What tense is that? Are forgiven. Now, here. Whose sins are covered right here, today, now. Amen? Hallelujah. I can't do it by the law. Do you see that? Because... If my sins are covered by the law, I'm in trouble because there's something like six or seven hundred laws that I now suddenly have to make sure. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do that? Did I? You, you understand? You can't. It's impossible. So it's only by faith that I can stand and say my sins are covered right here, right now, today in this place. Hallelujah. I am justified right here, right now by faith. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him or her. Guilt and shame is, I don't know how to put it, but I hate it because I suffer from it so much. I'm my worst critic and I'm very hard. I mean, you ask my kids how hard I were on them. I'm far worse on myself, you know, and I kick the dog every day. Right? I use kick the dog as a form of sin. All right? um, so I don't want to say... You know, I swore last night at the referee. So, I mean, that just puts me in a bad light. <laughs> I don't want to be. But I, I kick the dog regularly, okay? So you understand what I'm saying. I sin often. My character. I'm passionate about stuff. Passionate people lose their temper sometimes. Not me, of course, but some of you might. <laughs> are, you are you justified today where you're sitting? Turn to somebody and ask them, are you justified? Anybody, turn to somebody. Are you justified? Now turn to somebody else and say, I am justified. Or I want to be justified. If you're not justified, say, I don't know. Romans 4, 21 to 25. That last bit of the, 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 the end story of it, the, the real reason for it. So we're justified by faith. Faith is a catalyst. Faith is the vehicle of justification. It's not the cause. It's not the fire. It's not the fuel. 
Does this make sense? Jesus is the fuel. Because otherwise I can have faith in chocolate and be saved. I have faith. But no, I have to have faith in Jesus for justification. So it's very important that we understand that faith is but a vehicle. It's a, it's, you know, it's a catalyst. It only starts this process up in me. It stirs me up. And I believe. But what do I do? What do I believe? What do I really, really, really believe? What do I believe when all doors are closed and locked and nobody can see me or hear me? What is my faith then and there? So, faith is the catalyst. Jesus is the fuel that brings justification. If we could be justified by the law, it means you have very strong willpower. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, what time do we finish usually? I don't know. There's a clock up there, but I don't know what that means. What? That says I still have 25 minutes to go. Is that right? If that's true, we're going to have fun. Um, <laughs> oh, is it the other way? Have I been going 25 minutes? All right, so I still have an hour and a half. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, no, that's great stuff. Um, where am I? All right, I want to tell you something about myself. I, I grew up in a, in a very dysfunctional home. Mom and dad alcoholics and strict Afrikaans upbringing with a rod and a cane and a bash over the you know, backhand. And all it did for me was creating me one emotion, anger. I had one emotion. Everything in life, I measured one emotion. I was a grown man. I was in my 20s. And people would say to me, ach, shame. You know, in Africa, I'm so sorry about people not being Africa. But ach, shame. You know, we have this, ach, shame. I would burst out crying when people did that in my 20s. And I will be so angry. Don't you dare. <laughs> Don't pity me. That's all I, I only knew, anger. Then I became a Christian. And it's all love, 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 love. Oh, love, love, forgiveness and love, forgiveness and love. And I'm like, you know, oh, how do I do this? You know, every time the guy turns, they don't use their indicator. In South Africa, we use flickers. We use it less. So <laughs> and my anger will come up. And I'm like, what do I do with this? But I also learned something as a young man, and that was willpower. Discipline. Boy, oh boy, I was, yeah, I never went to the military, but I can tell you now, no soldier was more disciplined than I was. I, I woke up every morning of my whole life, 5.30 in the morning, no alarm clock, nothing. I was up, shower every morning. It's a young man, every day. I was very disciplined. So I used that tool I had to take this anger and I would tie it up, wrap it up, Put it down there and lock it up. I even managed to smile when I got angry at some stage. Does anybody identify with what I'm talking about? You see, we, we do this thing because we think it's justification by faith and works. We want to work something in here. So I'm going to do willpower. I'm going to be so disciplined that I do not ever sin. And I got to the point, and I'm, 
I'm, I'm horribly ashamed of this, but I'm telling you this because it's the only life I know is mine. I can't talk about his life, right? And if I do, I'll be out of order. So I can only talk about my life. Um, but I got to a place where I was in ministry, planted churches. I, ran, I was overseeing churches, had an international ministry. And the pride of life just whacked me. And I'll never forget this. I stood at the, at the what's this called, the pulpit. And I said this, I have no sin in my life. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's all I can pray. Have mercy. I didn't see it. I didn't realize it. But to be honest with you, I had no known sin. Because I was so willed, so strong-willed, so disciplined in my daily life that I wouldn't, if I knew something was going to entice me, I'll stay away from it. I'll cut it out of my life. I'll move away from it. I had a very close friend. Pastor, well-known, he studied with, he, he, he struggled with, he studied it probably as well, he struggled with pornography. And we had this conversation over and over and week after week. And, and one day he came to me, he says, I'm delivered, I'm hallelujah, I'm free. And I'm like, yo, this is, wow, bro, this is amazing. What happened? How did you do this? And he's like, he said, you know what happened? And, and this is the level of um, struggle he went through. He said he will wake up 3 o'clock every morning. Every day at 3 in the morning, he'll wake up. One morning he woke up, and it was like somebody was holding him by the leg, by the foot like this, and his arm like this, picking him up from the bed. That's how he woke up. Every day. And then onto the computer and, you know, pornography and stuff. And he said to me, I'm free, I'm delivered, I'm done. Whoa, whole week, nothing. I said, high five. let's see, how did you do this? I need some of that. He says, oh, no, it was easy. I said, what happened? He said, I just got so angry, I took an axe and I chopped the cable off. And I don't have cable anymore. I don't have internet anymore. I'm free. I said, who are you fooling? You're not free of nothing. All you did was put the access away from you. Why? Because it's what comes out of the heart. Right? See, willpower, discipline. Doing the works can bring a form of justification, a form of righteousness. And the world looks at us and, I mean, listen, I didn't come in my dirty overalls to church this morning. I showered and I shaved a little bit here and there. And you know what I mean? I, I tried. So you don't see the dirty side of me. I don't like you to see that. So I use discipline. I use works to make myself presentable in this fashion of righteousness. Now, if we can achieve that, what have we achieved? I am entitled to justification. If I have done it by works, if I've done it by my willpower, if I've done it through my discipline, through my strength, then I am entitled to justification. And I tell you something. So many times I stand in especially charismatic circles, in prayer circles, and I hear people pray. Lord, I've been fasting for 10 days now, and I pray that your healing must come now. Hang on a minute. Who's God in this place? You, you know, I've studied the Bible, Lord, and, you know, so that should be. You're just entitled brat. 
And we have so many spiritual entitled brats because we use works. When we remove the works and we allow the poop to be seen, we allow the dirty overalls, we allow, you know what, I lose my temper and I still do. Not as much as I used to, praise God for that. But hey, I had to repent to my wife the other night. It's not called for the way I spoke to you. It's just not right. And I've got the best wife, brother. She was just like, it's all good. No worries. Um, And that's okay. You know what? I'm on my journey. I'm on my journey for sanctification. It doesn't mean I've lost my salvation. I'm not entitled to anything. It's not my right. It's not because I've done something. It's not because I prayed six hours today, therefore I must get a healing. It's not because I fasted for so many weeks and years, therefore this must happen. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm using this in context of works, okay? I'm not saying don't pray and don't fast. But don't use it as a works. Don't use it to twist God's arm, arm wrestle with God. No, that's entitlement. What do we receive? We receive justification by faith in Jesus Christ. And what is that? He says, I accept you as you are, warts and all. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. And right there, shame is knocked on the head. Right there, guilt is cut from your life. You don't have to be ashamed before God. He knows it anyway. And he's not intimidated by your sin. We sometimes act as if God is intimidated by sin. As if, ooh, gosh, you know, he runs to Gabriel. Did you see what devil did last night? I never thought such a thing is possible. Look how angry he got. Look the words he used. God's unintimidated, but he knew it all along anyway. So guilt and shame has no place. Why? Because I believe in Jesus. I do believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe in his righteousness being my righteousness. And I'm on my path. And these deviations, praise God, I can recognize them. And I try to keep the path. Amen. And there's a lot more to that. Because now I need you lot to come and help me. Because every now and then I'm looking there, but I'm turning here. Okay. I'm a little bit like Libok. I look there and kick there. All right. So. Okay, those who know the joke. It's just, all right, that's an inside thing. It's a springbok thing. But what I'm trying to say is that sanctification needs more than me in my life. It needs you. I've got news for you. You need me. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's awesome. God is so, his sense of humor is awesome. Yeah. Please. Faith is current. Faith is for today. It's the only time. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1 and 2 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Do not receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. Every time you cry out to God, he hears you. Even though you're unfaithful, he remains faithful. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. He saved you every time. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation is only valid now. You must hear this. 
Because a lot of Christians live on salvation from yesterday. When did you give your life to God? Oh, 25 years ago. That's impossible. I gave my life to God this morning. I gave my life to God 36 minutes and 50 seconds ago. When I stood there in worship, Lord, forgive me my sins. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Lord, you're my hope. You're my strength. It's a now thing. It's a present, continuous. Faith is not from yesterday. You have to hear this. And this is where it becomes so beautiful. Because now there's no distinguishing between Jew and Gentile. Because we're all on the same playing field. Whether you've ever accepted Jesus or not. If you've accepted Jesus 25 years ago and you've never accepted Jesus right now, this moment in time, you're on the same field. And you better make sure you're on the right team. Both of you. Salvation is not just for the unsaved. It's for me as well. I need to be saved every minute of every day. Why? Because sin and unrighteousness is only this far from me. It's only one turn away. Therefore, I want to call on you this very morning that you come into this place where you say, Lord, I need salvation. I've been saved many, many years, but I need salvation now, today, here, right here, right now. Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in your blood to wash me and cleanse me and purify me. I believe in your righteousness to be my righteousness. I lay down all of these things that I have took on as entitlements. I lay them down. And Lord, here I stand before you bare, naked, no shame, no guilt. Amen. Let us stand and worship and I'll give back to Pastor D to 